You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. So today we are joined by Mr. Derek Gagos. Derek is uh, the partnering lead, the partnering guru for an awesome company, Gooder. And I had a chance to connect with Derek uh, a little while back. And man, I just had to have him on the podcast, had to have him share his insights with us and, and his story. So Derek, hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Dude, doing so good. Thanks for uh, reconnecting with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is exciting. Uh, so, I love getting on. Derek, if you wouldn't mind, man, I'd love to just have you share. We'll kind of start off talking about your background. Just quickly summarize your career. You know, it's really interesting whenever any of us look back over our careers of, you know, what, what an interesting path that we weave for ourselves. But uh, you yeah. started off in the music industry, at least spent a lot of time in the music industry. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I, it's, it's been a very interesting path throughout life. I mean, it all started... I fell in love with music at a very, very, very young age. I actually remember the first time I ever uh, bought a record um, because back then it was records. <laughs> there was no CDs. There was, and cassettes were are, were there, but records were mostly it. Uh, it's then, funny that they still call it records today, even dude. Vinyl records. It's it's amazing, and it was like even on that. Like when I went in the music industry to understand the difference between a record of tangibility, something that you physically hold, to a record of inside the music industry, cutting an album or a song, you would call it a record. And it comes from the original vinyl days, but it was just like, there's little nuanced words um, that you kind of have to use to. But yeah, so I, um, and then there was a defining moment where I remember my mom let me albums I wanted and I walked into a record store and I bought uh Twisted Sisters Stay Hungry uh Ozzy Osbourne's Blizzard of Oz and Motley Crue's uh Too Fast for Love and then Shout Out the Devil and just like fell in love and I remember reading the liner notes and so at an early age I just loved everything that music felt and the way it made me feel from metal to country to whatever and then when I got into high school I found hip-hop as well but I started shelving records at a uh, mom and pop record store um, in my hometown. And basically my payment for, uh, for several years or a couple years was basically whenever I did it, I worked for two, three hours a day and I got to take home a CD or a cassette of my choice. So they won massively. I won because I got free music and then it eventually tra uh, transferred into uh, me actually working for the store me meeting some people in the music industry, um, being really lucky on a couple of situations, um, went to college, became, and then took a job at Tower Records, uh, was the buyer there. Again, met the same people, started doing a little bit of like street team stuff and a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Went back to college again, got a, another degree, this time in entertainment business. And then, um, I had a little bit of experience with some labels of doing promotion stuff and intern stuff and flew out to LA, didn't have a job when I graduated and uh, took a job with a small hip hop label. Um, it was a great way for me to just kind of get my feet wet in LA, but I knew uh, it was small and I wanted something bigger. And then within like three months of me being here, 
um, a job opened up at Hollywood Records and uh, became an assistant there in the A&R department. And A&R was definitely something, an area that I wanted to go into. It was a sexy job, right? Um, it was the job that you got to hang with the bands. You got to be in the studio. You got to do all the swagger. You got to do everything. And, but it's also a lot of hard work. Um, I was a shitty assistant. I was, I will put it up there that I may even have been the worst assistant ever. Uh, and after about six months, I was fired, but promoted. Um, <laughs> and I was a crappy assistant, but I had a really good year. And there was a couple of bands that I was really close to that the label wanted to sign. And uh, they gave me a position. And I was there for, an, in that position, about six, seven months. And then a label out of New York um, came knocking. I actually knew the president and got to know him pretty decent over a little bit of time. And they were making some changes and went out to New York, took this label gig. And then for the next several years, kind of just bounced back and forth between labels. And then just saw an opportunity to kind of start a management company. Uh, uh, it was my time. I was done in the A&R world, not done, but like the industry was changing. A&R was changing. It wasn't so hands-on anymore. It was more scouting. It was less of those moments that I loved and um, I wanted more. And so the next evolution with a lot of A&R people is definitely management. And so I worked with a producer friend of mine. We put together a pop group, got it signed, started this management company. Then I did a deal with Live Nation, went underneath that umbrella, inside of that umbrella, did a deal with another management company, merged it. And then, you know, basically we had a decently sized management company for many years. Um, and it was great. I loved it. I got to tour the world. I got to make records. I got to be at festivals. I had the inside of everything. I had a, we had an amazing roster of nostalgic acts to uh, small up and coming bands or singer songwriters or producers and songwriters. And, you know, I think in that world, like I was really good at a lot of stuff but I was really good at the connection, doing deals, building things, puzzle piecing. I wasn't great at logistics. I, and then we always had other situations and people and, you know, uh, tour managers and assistants and, um, you know, assistant managers and those kind of situations. So it definitely made it, but throughout my whole entire career in music, I found, I've always been in love with products. I've been a brand guy since I've been a child. And it started kind of really looking up towards like 2012, 2013. I all of a sudden looked, I was like, oh my God, I've done deals with Samsung and Bud Light and Apple and, you know, and, and, and shoe companies and the list goes on and on and integration product into a music video or a tour or, you know, like, you know, getting PlayStation to outfit 12 bucks buses for a tour and for them to play Madden and basically film it and then use it as content. And so without really knowing, I was really a partnership person. That's what it sounds like, man. Like through and through. Um, and then in 2013, um, up until that point, like I grew up playing tennis and I was very athletic, but then 
throughout the music industry, I did nothing. I put on a lot of weight. I got lazy. I had a slight drug, drug problem. And, uh, one day I basically was just done and I found yoga and then I saw a bunch of runners and started running and finding running changed my life. It changed my life in so many different directions. Um, it was like a flip of a coin, um, is in, in a short amount of time, it went from being okay with what I did to realizing I did not want to do this anymore. I did not want to manage talent in that regard anymore. I wanted to put things together. I wanted to look at a big picture. I wanted to build those puzzle pieces. And so um, I started working with athletes because it was the easiest way for me to start kind of transitioning into out of like talent that way, but it's what I knew. But then something magical happened as I was dealing with these brands and doing sponsorship deals for these athletes. Like I was in connect with all these brands. And then I started doing some consulting work for them on growing this and piecing this and bringing some music elements in all these kind of situations. And then I realized I was like, this is what I want to do. This is the next evolution of my career. This is the next evolution of who I am. Um, at this point in time, um, I was on a running uh, team with now my girlfriend. Uh, she was actually one of the coaches at the point in time. And so we've been together for six years now. Um, Steven, who started, co-founded C uh, Gooder and is our CEO. Um, and he had this concept idea. And at this point in time, I was kind of dealing with brands. We would run together. We were friends. Um, and he would, you know, we'd link up and I would help him where I could. And eventually over time, I just knew I was completely done with that side of my life. And I was looking for the next pass. And so I was actually taking some meetings and talking to some other brands and talking to certain situations and you know what? I loved what Stephen was doing at Gooder. Um, I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was a really great way for me to kind of get out of what I was doing and make a transition. Um, he didn't have anybody at the company. It was really small at that point in time doing any partnership stuff, um, kind of puzzle piecing these things, thinking a bigger picture, dealing with bigger brands. It was more of like a little bit of influencer and gifting this and doing all those kind of situations. So it just made sense for me to join the team at that point. And so from then till now, I've uh, I, uh, been running the, the partnership department for uh, Gooder. So Derek, for people that may not be familiar with Gooder and oh, yeah. the, the products that you provide, yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about the, the company, what you guys do and uh, why it was founded. Yeah, so Steven and Ben basically just saw an opportunity in the sunglass space and it, it all stemmed from Steven basically kind of looking at this crowd of runners, there was like a hundred people part of this run team that was about to run LA marathon. And he noticed in the crowd that the people that were wearing sunglasses, it was twofold. Either it was really ugly wraparound over-engineered expensive glasses, or it was mostly gas station glasses. Like, you know, your, your 10 to $15 gas station glass that nobody really cares about. Um, and then there was a couple of people with like higher end stuff. Like I think I was wearing a pair of Tom Fords at that point in time because well, one, I'm never going to wear a wraparound. And then secondly, I don't wear a gas station glass. So, um, so there was definitely some outliers and but there's no middle saw, ground, right? No, no high quality kind of middle ground. It's exactly right. And that was his thought. He was like, how do we set out 
to do a better version of a sunglass. And he basically put some stipulations on it and thought about it. it was like, asked a bunch of questions. What were people looking for? What did they want? And had a laundry list. And the number one, the number one and two things were, you know, fashionable and functional. And so, you know, that's where kind of, we live on this thing called the four F's. Um, and it's how we kind of filter everything. So it's fun, fashion, functional, and affordable, but except for we get rid of the A and it's just affordable because that way it stays four F's and we can't spell anyway with the name gooder. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, and so basically the first step was into the run industry to solve a problem. And it was basically him and Ben created a no slip, no bounce, um, hundred percent polarized glass colorful and for 25 bucks um and the fun was something that really was emphasized really hard you know i think one of the first glasses was flamingos on a booze cruise so we're known for the names of our glasses you know um and you guys have like a million pairs a bunch of different styles and varieties man it's like a it's like a candy store going in there looking at it online uh, it's amazing. I mean, I don't know how people do it. I get confused going into a grocery store. So I'm not good with massive selection. I'm good at pinpointing. Um, I even get it on our website. I go, Oh, but yeah, we put out a lot of product in a short amount of time. But what we found is we love tapping into moments in time. And that's something a sunglass company has never done. And the closest resemblance to what we do is what stance did with socks they took a boring brown black blue maybe some stripes sock made it better put some design and fabric on it i in in thought process through it in cosmetics created a connection point and that's kind of what we do in sunglasses so design is very important um our connection is very important our community is very important authenticity and organic is very important um you know it's it's one of those things where we focus on the four f's making sure things are fun functional fashionable and affordable and then putting it into everything else but it has to sit there and if it doesn't hit all four of the four f's we don't do it um and we've seen a lot of stuff go as much as stuff as we put through the, 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 the pipeline. Um, there's a lot of stuff that hasn't made it because it hasn't touched that four F's. So that's so awesome, man. It's so important. I think I couldn't, I, I couldn't, uh, agree with that more of just being focused, but know who you are and how you are and yeah. stay true to that. And there, man, there's, there's some real value to that. I, I hope people definitely pick up on that. Derek, talk to us about the, the types of partnerships that you form and yeah. uh, the different organizations that you work with for, for good or. Oh, geez. Oh God. Um, the first and foremost, like I always, we're a vertical based company. So obviously we started in the run space and then we opened basically what we call beast, the vertical, which is focused across CrossFit OCR. Then came bike, um, obviously baked to cyclists and those kind of situations. And then golf came after that. Um, and then we got a new vertical launching in October, uh, focused to the game industry. And, um, we look for avenues that there's white space that can kind of blend in who we are as a company, but also that we can challenge the status quo. And so on partnerships, the number one thing I look for is one, how are we challenging the status quo on it? 
how are we doing things different than every other company? I don't look at, and we don't as a company, and it's not just me. Um, it falls to me, but it's us that sponsorship is such a unique thing in an archaic movement. So I look at partnership way before sponsorship. Um, and so by doing that, I'm able to look at each individual vertical, um, work with our community uh, team inside of there, as well as our brand brand manager to find the white spaces, how to elevate each area, but then also acknowledge like, hey, you know, how deep are we into this space? Are we gaining new customers? Are we creating a new moment? Why are we doing it? And that why is so important. So, you know, I put that at the forefront of everything that we do um, in the partnership land. And then, you know, from there, then it just grows. So, um, you know, last year, so when I came on board, one of the big things that Steve and I talked about was on the partnership land and the collaboration side was how do we do things different? And a shoe was the creme de la creme, right? Like I'm a sneaker head. I love shoes. I don't just love sneakers for the cosmetics. I love everything to do with it knowing the makeup and everything. And so for me, the creme de la creme was a sneaker. But on the collaboration side, if you can do a sneaker, it is such a stamp of approval inside of doing collaborations. And so luckily enough, one of our first biggest collaborations was with Saucony and we did a shoe. We married it with a pair of sunglasses. Um, it ended up selling out pretty quickly, which was pretty exciting. Um, and it just that's my lends. running shoe of choice. I love soccer. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, are you are you Convara guy? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. So we did it with the Convara ten, um, Convara eleven, oh, Convara eleven, um, which was last year, um, and it did really great. And so that really set the tone moving forward of the partnerships that we can do. So I, we look at it in several different levels right there's the social partnerships there's the overall brand partnerships there's the vertical based partnerships there's the event partnership you know whether it be a race or you know a tournament or whatever it is um but the ultimate goal is really like what how are two people coming together leaning on each other to make it better not just us always gifting things or giving or them taking our logo um, and that's really important to me is I remove the logo from the get-go because I'm all about glasses on faces. That's where we make our biggest connection. So, um, yeah. And then from there, it's just sussing through everything. So today, I mean, we've worked with Saucony, uh, we work with Garmin regularly, uh, infinity group, uh, obviously the cars, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, um, started licensing department last year dropped our first licensing deal with warner brothers uh wonder woman 84 sold out immediately brought it back out sold out again immediately uh batman comes out in a couple weeks or next week um doing a lot of really cool things on the licensing side and that really challenges the status quo um but then ultimately just connecting with the verticals and where it lives into those spaces so Derek, whenever you're looking for a partner, you're having these different conversations. Yeah. Talk to us about kind of the specific, either characteristics or, you know, those different attributes that you're looking for either in companies or partners themselves and, and the people, because behind all of this, it's people, right? That we work with. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think people is the number one thing, right? Like I'm a connector by heart and trait. Um, so if I don't have a connection to somebody, it makes it really difficult for me to want to do business with them. Um, so I think that personality and that connected piece and, and aligning right, right? Secondly to that is I don't love working with people that look at it one-sided. And then that's probably the reason why I have a lot of hard times with partnerships and my thought process on partnerships because it's normally one-sided. I mean, not on partnerships, on sponsorships is in traditional sense and it still happens today um is you want to be part of something they're like great i'm the global head of partnerships no you're actually a sponsorship guy and you're a sales guy so let's just get it straight and you just want money to place our logo somewhere and then that's all you really care about you really just care about the money and giving us access to this world there's no leaning on each other so the number one thing I look at is how are we going to build a triangle? What is our base? And then how do we lean and how do they lean? And what is our ultimate goal to get to the top? So if that yeah, I love that word picture, man, that, uh, that makes yeah. a ton of sense. That's awesome. Yeah. And if it doesn't fit into that triangle, it's not worth our time. And you know, it's like there's low versions of that and there's super big high versions of that. Um, but if it doesn't fit into there, like you're, you're wasting people's time. And, um, and I think we're going to start to see a change of the guard here pretty quickly, especially after COVID, um, events are going to change. Thought processes are going to change. You already start to see it where connection and experience is everything. I think these companies that lean on sponsorship so heavily are going to have to change their mind. Um, and that's where we leave the forefront with it. And we just push on it night and day, night and day. I can't tell you how many times I've said no to something to a company. I want to work with that fits in our ideals and who there's such a strong connection and a through line be between both brands. And we could have done a lot of really cool things, but they were over here holding this going, well, we're this and we're that. And I was like, yeah, but that doesn't, but it doesn't matter anymore. Like, what matters is let's connect to our consumer and provide fun and provide an element in a moment in time. So those are yeah, man, to your kind point, of where I look at. You've, you've got to have alignment. We call you know, we got to have alignment, but it comes in multiple different levels. You know, it's not just in the product and the service and even pieces of the philosophy, but it, it comes all the way down, even in your personal humility and, and truly trying and seeing what the other partner is trying to provide. I mean, one of the things that we really coach is if you are a great partnering ninja, you understand that it is your obligation. And I will say it is your obligation to provide value to the person on the other side of, of the table. Oh, a hundred percent. I, um, in contract negotiation, I believe this since the get go, since, you know, I've been lucky enough to do a lot of contract work in the music industry. And so I got to know IP and everything. And I would always say, and I would push back on it. If you leave the table on a negotiation and both parties feel somewhat uncomfortable, you both have negotiated a perfect deal or not a perfect deal, the best deal you probably could. And the reason why is because both of you put things on the table that you're comfortable with, and you're both going to have to step up to make sure those happen. Where 
sponsorship in other situations. It's more about just nobody taking a risk over here and this person taking all the risk. And that just doesn't compute in my head. That's not a balanced 25. relationship. <laughs> no, like you're just taking. Good for you for making your oodles in billions of dollars, but it's going to bite you in the butt at some point in time. And, uh, and I love, I love that. I love that challenge, right? Like getting that other side to play with you, uh, in negotiation, but also get them on your same page. And then I've found the, the partnerships that we've done at Gooder have really been that there's been some scales that bounce back and forth a little bit. And we, we use that in nuance and we look at it. Um, but, you know, a, a past client of mine used to say, say to me all the time, he's like, is the juice worth the squeeze? And I use that all the time in, in, in partnerships and in that world is with so much nuance and so many different ideals of what a true partnership is. I go, is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah, and man, if it we, is, then there it is. We like to say, you mentioned negotiating and kind of the, the art of going through that, but we like to say you should always be negotiating, you know, with your potential counterpart uh, from the same side of the table. Yeah. It's not that that person is sitting across the table and it's me versus you. It's us sitting on the same side of the table and it's kind of us working together versus the market or versus this opportunity. Totally. It's, like, I don't know why, for whatever reason, partnerships for the most part are almost like a hostile takeover, right? Like, it, to your point, like you're sitting across the table from somebody and somebody's trying to one-up you or better you and, and, and get something from you. Instead of sitting on the same table, set of the table and giving each other high fives and going, we're going to crush this. Let's go have some fun while doing it. And let's create our moment. I don't, like, the other side just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, man, I think that's why 70% don't work in two years if you look at the statistics, you know. But I think it's True. people that have the approach that you do that take the time on the front end. You understand who you are as an organization. You understand which partners are good for you. You're not yeah. afraid to say no. And, and you see it as me and him or her versus this opportunity. We're going to go crush it. And this is what we're going to do. We're totally aligned. Let's go. And a lot of times to your point, people form these quote unquote partnerships, but really just a transaction. I mean, the partnership, partnership is a cool, sexy word to use, but unfortunately most of the time they're not partnerships. I'm so glad you said that because it's exactly how I feel. I think we talked about this last time we talked is, and I slowly, I slightly mentioned before, but I will get an email from somebody that, that their title is global head of strategic partnerships. And when I get in the nuts and bolts of it, reality is, is they're just a salesperson trying to sell me on sponsorship. And that is where the dilution of the word partnership has really come is partnership is such a vast thing. There's specifically for our product, right? You have retail partnerships, you have social partnerships, you got event partnerships, you have brand partnerships, you've got collaborations of sorts, you've got brand on brand. 
there's so many different areas that the word partnership that actually kind of feels into. So I think over the years, it's just, just been diluted and diluted and diluted. And, um, it just won't be up to me, but at least the way I look at it, I hope I make a difference in the partnership world of thinking about it in a new way in, and I don't want to say modern, but just a new take on it of really forcing people to come together um, and really building partnerships in a true way. Um, and to your point, like partner, the word partnership is sexy, right? You have the sexiest job in the A&R world. I was a sex, I had a sexy job as a manager. I had a sexy job now head of partnerships. I have a sexy job, but there's so much work that goes into it. Um, that, but I think it takes away from it's collaboration as well. Right? Like that word, Oh my God, like I'm about to remove that word from my vocabulary because unless it's a true collaboration, like it's not a collaboration unless there's both parties on each side putting things into this bucket. You can't have one-sided collaboration. (laughs) No, like not to take away from any other company. Like I, I don't even look at licensing as really a collaboration. I know a lot of companies will call it a collaboration. It's an easy way to explain it to the consumer. And I totally get it. And I'm not going against that. But it's a transaction, right? Either you pay the money or you don't. 100%. We are paying money to get the rights to use somebody else's IP. We are working with them on approvals. But it's our job to put it out to marketplace. It's a partnership, not really a collaboration, but more of a transaction. And whereas a true collaboration in my mind is something that like what we did with Sockney and that evolved from what we did with Sockney and now is moved to another shoe company and not only doing one shoe in 2021, we're doing two. Nice. And we've taken those moments and bring brought it up and elevated it those are true collaborations um we're doing something with a company out of uh, leadville which is cbd company for a major launch next year it's a true collaboration because we're hitting these sales places we're doing special packaging we're doing all of these really cool little moments but both sides are coming together um and that's where partnership i believe needs to go there is moments that our sales team can kind of partner in with our retailers and i think that's very important too i think that lives in more of a sales side um i do have a hand in it to a certain extent but you know like partnership is such a nuanced world that i think just people have really just lost sight of what it really is all about yeah it's almost like you had to start conversations by having each side define what the word partnership means to them. But yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. It. it is interesting. Man, Derek, I feel like I could chat with you all day long about this, man. But uh, I got to let you go at some point. But we'll, we'll yeah. definitely have to do this again. But I've got one last question for you before yeah, I let you go. Uh, I want you to talk to your 25-year-old self. Oh, if you Jesus. could speak to your 25-year-old <laughs> self, what kind of advice would you give to Derek? Oh, geez. Um, Oh God, that's a really hard question. And I love it. Um, yeah, looking back on my 25 year old self, like I've got a very strong personality. Um, I like to talk. I have strong confidence. Um, I'm 
I'm a very personable person. So, but I would tell myself from the get go, think about the other side as much as you think about yourself. Um, that is something that, I mean, Gooder, I mean, Steven and our culture team, which is this guy, Sean and Nicole, they have built this amazing culture and focus on this thing called the Enneagram, as well as working like uh, through Brene Brown books and those kind of situations. I wish I would have had those elements of culture and thought processes when I was 25 years old. I think it would have got me further along and been a better person all around. Um, in this way, I can acknowledge who I am as a person. Don't shy away from that as a person. Know who my, what my personality is, but also be able to learn and work with other people. I wasn't always the greatest worker with other people. I would get trapped of my own world. So that would probably be the number one thing. Man, that's solid advice. Awesome. Well, thank you, Derek. Thank you for uh, spending some time with us, sharing your story, sharing some insights, man. We're, yeah. we're, we're going to have to do this again. Dude, please. I mean, I can, I can talk all day about partnerships. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, my, it's like my happy place. Absolutely, brother. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Partnernomics podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics podcast, visit Partnernomics.com. <laughs>